Heavenly Father, there's just nothing like standing in your presence uh, in the body of Christ. There's nothing else this whole week that we're going to experience that is like this. As we focus our hearts and our minds on you, Father, we love you. Lord Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. Thank you for taking spiritual things and giving them to us so we can understand them. Because without you, we don't have a chance. We're not going to figure anything out. We're not going to use a calculator uh, to do the right math where we come up with the right answers. Holy Spirit, it's you. You're the one that takes spiritual treasures and, and, and breaks it down, uh, adapts it, modifies it, supernaturally changes it so that we can understand it and grasp it and believe it. We thank you and praise you for that. You did it before we were even saved. You helped us come to repentance. And you're doing it now. You've done it every single day since. We just thank you, Father, for your faithfulness of your son. We thank you for your faithfulness of your spirit. We thank you for your faithfulness. And today as we, as we look in your word and as we celebrate communion, uh, Heavenly Father, I ask in Jesus Christ's mighty name, uh, that through the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the name of Jesus Christ, that we could, we could have communion with you to a greater width and depth and breadth and understanding than we've ever had in our life. Would you please do that? I'm asking for a miracle today, Lord, that you would touch each one of our hearts in communion. And I ask this in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you, worship team. If you're uh, visiting here today, we are keeping the kids in service, so I don't see any kids in here, actually, besides my granddaughter, <laughs> so I think we're covered there. If you have your Bible with you, could you turn with me to Matthew 26, please? I'd like to make one pretty important announcement. We um, have put Dennis and Angie over all the children's ministry. So they're going to be overseeing children's church and the nursery and uh, like recruiting people, training people, setting all those things in order. So we're really excited. It's a new season and a new day. Uh, they're going to be making more announcements. They had the meeting last week. And so we're really hoping to have something ready to go in September. That's all of our goal. So if, if you could just be praying. Um, whether God wants you involved in that or not. That goes for men and women. We're equal opportunity employer here, so men or women are invited to serve in children's ministry. And if you feel like, well, that's just not for me, I'm going to be serving in other areas, that's awesome. Would you please pray for us? Pray for everybody that's going to be serving in there and pray for the kids. Amen? Amen. All right. So um, before I get rolling on uh, some of the verses and patches that I'm going to go on, I just want to talk about communion today. It really is a celebration of our relationship with the living God. Um, we've been having a few different elders meetings lately, and Chris Shire came in. And one of the things that Chris uh, has told all of us, and I think is really important for all of us, I, it's super important for me right now. As Chris says, we, we need to be looking inside ourselves, because any true change comes from us looking inside ourselves and wanting to see something in us, wanting to see that adjusted by God and his grace and his mercy. And so I think... 
uh, this celebration table, communion is the celebration table of Jesus Christ. There's no better time than to use scripture, to use the power of the cross, to use the power of the resurrection of communion, than for all of us just to take a look at our hearts and where are we at, where are we going, we, we like where we're at. So I just think it's a, a good idea uh, for what, what the elders have been doing, just to invite the whole church into it. It's like, hey, you know what, let's just run a comb through our hearts. Today I was uh, praying and, and getting ready for this and preparing, and I was just reminded of the image of, like, sometimes... Some, I'll, I'll speak for me. Sometimes my heart can get balled up. It, it, it can get like tied up with concerns and cares of this world. And sometimes it's not even that big of stuff. But I'll worry about it, and then I'll put another worry with it, and then I'll worry about both those things. Then I'll put another worry. And pretty soon I'm worrying about all this stuff. I've lost my peace. I've lost my joy. But I'm still going forward. I'm still being faithful. And it's like, that's never what God intended for us to do. He's called us out of guilt and shame into his marvelous light. Our salvation is supposed to be full of joy. Amen? And so I just think this is a good time. Um, the picture I had today, one of the, the thoughts that came to me, is like women that have really beautiful thick hair, it still gets snarly. And so before they can put it up and do a real thing with it, they got to like run a comb through it. And if you've ever seen, my daughter has beautiful blonde hair, and it's really thick. But sometimes when she was growing up, I'd see her in there working, and she just, oh, my goodness gracious. It looked like torture to me. But by the time she got it done, though, and she stepped outside of that house, she was turning heads. And so sometimes for our hearts to, to be where we want our hearts to be, sometimes we got to, like, pull those snarls out. And sometimes it hurts. I mean, you ever watch a woman doing her hair um, or someone doing their daughter's hair? <clears throat> I mean, they're wincing and <laughs> jumping and owing, and they're going after those snarls. And sometimes our hearts can get that balled up, amen? I know mine can. I know mine has, and more than once since I've been a Christian. So today is about uh, running a comb through our hearts, us. I can't run a comb through your heart. You can't see what's in my heart. I can hide my heart from you. You have no idea what's going on. It's between me and God. So it's up to me to get out my comb and run them snarls out, get rid of them. So today is about the celebration of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. <sighs> Isn't it good that our relationship with God isn't based on us? Yeah. I like Jesus' track record a lot better. So today we're going to go to the celebration table. I think most of you have heard variations of the sermon I'm going to preach today over the years because I just think it's the truth. I'm not trying to improve on it. I'm not trying to embellish on it. This is the celebration table. At communion, we look back of Christ saving us. We look inside what's my heart condition, and we look forward to Jesus Christ coming back for us. That's never going to change. That's what communion's all about. So today, that's what we're going to look at. Those three great things, Christ saving us, Christ at work in me right now, helping me get rid of some snarls, and then going forward, trusting God to come back for me. It's going to be a glorious day. It's going to be an absolute amazing day. So to talk about communion, we've got to talk about Passover first. Because Passover was a really big deal. And so when Jesus did the communion, when he sat down for the first communion table, it was Passover weekend in Jerusalem. There was thousands of Jews there to do one thing, to celebrate Passover. They had been celebrating Passover for over 1,300 years. That's five times longer than the U.S. has been around. Our whole history times five is how long these Jews have been celebrating Passover. 
It is the fabric of who they are. When you say Passover, it's like Christmas, Fourth of July, Easter, all of it tied into one. It's who they are as a country. It's who they are in religion. It's who they are, nationality, blood type, everything is wrapped into God saving us with Moses and the ten plagues. That's how big Passover was. You can't exaggerate how big Passover was. So when they get there and they start celebrating, they're there for the body of the lamb, which the body of the lamb was killed. They ate the lamb. And the blood of the lamb, which was put on the windows and the doorposts, they celebrated the lamb of the Passover. So when Jesus sits down with them, they got the bread and the lamb, and they have the meal, and then they do the bread and the wine afterwards. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. He's telling them, and they would have known it loud and clear, way more than us Americans. I am the lamb of God. Come to give my life as a ransom for you guys to set you free, to take you out of sin, out of slavery, into his marvelous light. Whew. You got to start at Passover. Every single Jewish person had been told over and over and over and over and over about Moses. Moses was bigger than anybody we got in our American history. Moses was the man. He was the greatest politician, the greatest leader, and the greatest spiritual leader, all wrapped up in one. So they knew everything about it. And the ten, when, when, Moses, when Moses raised up his staff, people ducked. <laughs> he didn't have to swing it. Because when he raised that thing up and he started praying, big stuff happened. And they, heard, they grew up with this story. 1,300 years. Wow. Passover is the celebration that that house was covered with the lamb's blood. Amen? So we come over here. Passover's tied into this. We don't lose Passover. It's still part of our Christian heritage because our God instituted Passover just like our God instituted communion. Passover is part of our heritage. This is symbolic or Passover is symbolic of this thing for over now holy cow now we're at about 1600 1700 years this has been celebrated in some form or fashion now even the oldest here that maybe got saved in high school or something nobody here has been saved 100 years Right? Most of us only been saved a fraction of our lives. And we think, well, our heritage is just me with these last few years and me serving God here. And it's like, no, our heritage goes back thousands of years to, to this, to, to communion table with Jesus, 2,000 years. And then 1,300 years before that was Passover. We're tying into that, all the faithfulness of God for 3,300 years that way. And whenever Christ comes back this way, that's how big this table is. Man, oh man. So you at Matthew 26? Skip down to verse 26. So we're at Matthew 26, 26. And as they were eating the Passover meal, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The Lamb's body and the blood brought in a new covenant. And again, with my American mindset, the only time I ever hear covenant is when I'm at church, and that's usually pretty spread out. But for those guys... For 1,300 years, they had been under the Mosaic Covenant. 
They'd heard about Abraham's covenant. They'd heard about Moses' covenant. They'd heard about Noah's covenant. As a Jew, as an Israelite, their whole makeup, their whole frame set, their whole mindset, their whole framework is in covenants. And covenant isn't just a deal. We're just going to work out a deal as long as both parties are happy. A covenant is till death do we part. The closest thing we have to covenant is marriage covenant. And that is like almost a shambles now because so many divorces. Covenant is I'm giving you my absolute word. Till death do I part. It's the only way I'm going to break my word to you. This is what I covenant with you. I'm with you. I'm for you till the rest of our lives. Jesus said, I'm giving my life to you as a new covenant. Till death do we part. Oh, he rose back from death. He's resurrected. He's my resurrected Savior. When I celebrate communion table, the past, the current, and the future, I'm celebrating my resurrected Jesus Christ who lives in my heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the covenant I'm under now. Hallelujah. Man, oh man. Moses' covenant was a great covenant, but it doesn't hold a candle to the covenant of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul said Moses' covenant was a covenant of condemnation. Whoa, I thought it was a great thing. The only way that that covenant worked was every time you broke the law, every time you sinned, you would feel guilty. So now you got to go back to the temple, back to the priest that's good enough to pray for you so maybe you can get your forgiveness through enough dead animals. Our covenant is through Jesus Christ, the living Christ, that the Holy Spirit convicts us about things and then sets us free from guilt and shame. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is when Paul was talking about communion and why we should take it and how we should take it, the ins and outs of some of this. It's really, really good. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. So... Paul says, look, I want to make sure you guys see this thing. These guys had a form of religion, but somehow their lifestyle didn't please God. They, they went to church when they were supposed to go to church. They said they belonged to the temple. They said all these things. But their heart condition, they ended up dying out in the desert because somehow they were missing something in a heart condition towards God. And he says, hey, guess what, Mike? I'm putting this in here. It's in the Bible for your example. So you can watch your heart condition. So after a while, Mike, when you're going to church, you know when to say the right amens, you got the right clothes, you can put on a smile no matter what's going on, that your heart isn't turned away from me. That's what he said. This is an example for you, Mike. Communion points back to the Passover, the time that God delivered Israel and Egypt and punished the sin of Egypt and their treatment of his people. They were instructed to put the blood of an innocent, pure lamb on their doorposts of their homes. This served as a sign that the coming judgment had already been carried out on that lamb. 
That lamb dies so you don't have to. Do you believe me? Well, yeah, kind of. Okay, well then put that on your doorpost. So it's, it's there for everyone to see inside the house and outside the house that you believe in the lamb dying for your sin. Uh, what are the neighbors going to think? I, I don't know if I'm going to do that. If the blood's not on that door, when judgment comes, judgment's coming inside. Simple as that. Can, it doesn't get any simpler. But if the lamb's blood is on your doorpost, hallelujah, Jesus Christ's blood on us, judgment passes right by. Glory to God. The blood of Jesus Christ saves us from all judgment. Goodness gracious, how good is our God? When seeing the blood, God would pass over that house. This is there for our example. We'll have to wonder. You know, I've been told that people were growing up in some of these religions. They would go and they would ask, how do I know for sure I'm going to go to heaven? They would be told, there's no way you can know for sure. When you die, you're going to go before God and they're going to go, well, that's your good stuff. That's your bad stuff. Ooh, sorry about that. You, you, you didn't make the cut. You were at 51%. Close. Not quite good enough. That is baloney. The blood of Jesus Christ is on our doorposts. When judgment time comes, what, what's awesome is we're cleansed in the blood of the Lamb. If we could see with total spiritual eyes, when we get to heaven, we're going to see the robe of righteousness that God put on us. All of us already have this robe of righteousness. We're going to have the crown of life on our head. And he's going to pop open that book. W-Y-W-Y-Y-I-Y-O-Y-O-U-N-G. Michael, 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 Michael Paul. Okay. Yup, you made it, dude. It's going to be so awesome. Your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. You've already got heaven's clothes on you. The hat, the robe. Man, oh, man. All because of the blood of the Lamb. Not because we've been in church perfect attendance. Not because we served eight different ways at church. Not because we've tied the whole life. None of that stuff. That's all good and has great purpose. But we're going into heaven because of Jesus Christ. We're forgiven because of Jesus Christ. We're accepted to God because of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That is the most amazing possible thing that anybody could ever be able to say. So looking backward for each of us means to clearly see the deliverance of God for us personally. I look back to see me getting set free and completely forgiven. As Christians, we can look back at the time when we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when he took our guilt and shame and gave us his righteousness. Each and every one of us, as born-again Christians, can look at back. We can close our eyes right now and picture that place, that time, that season, when we came to know that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and we are truly forgiven and born again. This table celebrates that. This table tells us all, hey, remember, carry that with you. Remember God's goodness on that one time when, when you were clueless and he still got a hold of you? Remember that. Remember that. So um, I think you might, some of you might still be at Matthew 26. I like 26, 29 says this. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. John 6, 54, this is what Jesus told them. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. That had to blow their circuits. <laughs> it really did. Every time I run into this one, I'm reading down through John, and I see this, and I, 
I'm, I'm reading it, which for them guys would have been the first time they ever heard this. Is he telling us we got to be cannibals? Would have been the first thought in your mind. Until you start trying to piece this together and like, no, what's the big picture he's been saying? We have to love him. We have to love him so much it looks like we hate our family because we love Jesus so much. Okay, so he's telling me that I have to embrace this like my life's source. I have to take Jesus in as my life's Oh, Oh, okay. Jesus says on that day, on the last day when he drinks it, it's going to be brand new in his father's kingdom. So Jesus had... The Passover meal, kind of put the end of this one covenant, several covenants, embraces this new covenant with his body and his blood at the communion table with the 12, and he tells them the same thing he's telling us. The next time that Jesus does communion is going to be with us. So as big as this first part is, of me remembering when Jesus came and he he. He knocked on my door. He got a hold of me. I was so clueless. He still got a hold of me. He showed me his goodness. And I got forgiven and born again and my everything changed. As big as that is, this one's pretty big too. <laughs> Jesus is waiting to have communion for me. Man, oh man. For you. We're going to have communion with Jesus. And I don't think it's going to look like this where Jesus is going to put stuff on the table. Somehow in his supernatural, miraculous power, I think somehow Jesus is going to hand it to us personally. How does he do that with billions of people? I don't know. This, this pea brain doesn't figure it out. But I don't think it's going to look like a food line. My Jesus is just way too personal. So somehow it's going to be, I think it's just going to be really hand-to-hand. It's going to be the most incredible thing we've ever done, I'll tell you that stuff. Because if, if it's after rapture, a whole bunch of us just go straight up in there and go right to the table. The Lamb's table. The banqueting table. <laughs> wow. <sighs> Man. He was stressing the covenant. He's still stressing this covenant. I strike this covenant with you this eternal, unchanging, unbreakable deal with you, and we're going to consummate it the next, team, next time up in heaven in a totally different kingdom, in a totally different realm with our heaven bodies. Man, oh, man, oh, man. So the last thing, looking inwards, our heart condition, an attitude of gratitude. I know I'm so much more happy when I'm just thankful when, when I start thanking God for the little stuff and the big stuff, when I purposely go, you know what, I do have this problem. Yep, I have this real challenge. Yep, I've got all that. But, Father, I just thank you that you're in charge. You're in control. You're going to handle all this stuff. I don't know how all this is going to handle. I, I don't know if this person is going to turn to you or if this person is going to continue to blow up his life. I don't know. But I know you're going to keep me through all of it. I can trust you through the, the victories and the disappointments. I turn to you, Father. Thank you that you're in control and I'm not. When I can just do that simple thing starting in the morning, I'm going to have an awesome day. But if I stay stuck over here, yeah, I know three years ago he did this and then he did that. When he moved to that one state, uh, ah. By 9 o'clock in the morning, I'm a nervous wreck and that's where I stay all day. Let me just be honest. That's me. I'm talking about me, not you guys. I'm talking about me. So there's times when I definitely got to get that comb out and pull out the snarls out of my own heart. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17 says this. 
the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 10, I encourage you guys to read it because it's really good. I want to make sure that you guys know I'm not taking something out of context. And I want your faith based on that whole chapter of what Paul was after, what he was trying to teach us. So he says this, verse 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Jesus Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Now, the bread that we have up here, I, I've told you this many times, but it, it's true. This, this was one loaf today. At a point this morning, this was one piece of bread, one loaf. And so part of the symbolization of communion and one loaf is we're one loaf. In this dish, there are many pieces of bread. In this room, there's many pieces of the body of Christ. But this is still one loaf. I didn't put a mixture of three loaves in here or 17 loaves in here. There's one loaf and many pieces. We're one loaf and many pieces. When we take each piece of this, part of our celebration is I'm part of you guys. You guys are part of me. We're part of each other. I know we're individuals. Yep, individual pieces. But we're one loaf. We're one body of Christ, and that's the celebration, just as powerful as anything else. No other organization on earth celebrates their oneness like the Church of Christ. No other organization on earth, no other body, I could almost say organism, because we are living. We're not just titles and offices. 1 Corinthians 11, if you want to just skip ahead a little bit. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27. First Corinthians 11, I'm going to start with verse 27. Therefore, he's talked about the cup of blessing, the covenant, we're entering into this thing. Jesus did it all for us. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, not his neighbor, not his relative. Let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. That discerning, it literally means there's two things we need to be discerning. The Lord's body, first off, this is symbolic of the Lord's body. When I celebrate communion, I'm celebrating that Christ gave his life for me. So I want to make sure when I celebrate it, my heart condition towards God is right. I want to try to, to make sure that I'm as clean as I can be when I celebrate the life of Jesus Christ given for me. So I'm discerning the Lord's body that was given for me. The other way we discern it is when I take this, when I celebrate his blood represented by the Jews, when I celebrate his body, his one body, the one body of, of the church, I, I'm discerning that I'm doing this as part of you guys. I'm part of you guys. I want to make sure my heart's clean when I celebrate this because I'm part of you guys. And it's a chance for me to go, okay, so what do I really think about that one guy? How, how have I been treating those people at church? How have I been treating, how did I respond to my wife this morning? How did I respond to my granddaughter yesterday? Oh, you know what, Lord? I just need you to forgive me something. Maybe it's different for you guys. I'm just saying, I'm trying to fill in for me because I'm looking in my own heart. So he says, verse 20, but let a man 
examine himself, and so let him eat the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. So even in this table of celebration, and as we discern the Lord's body, as we check our heart condition looking for snarls, it's, it's me judging me so that when God convicts me of sin, as the Holy Spirit is saying, Mike, this needs to be adjusted. Mike, this needs to be let go. When, when he judges me, when, when I judge me, and I discern the Lord's body, and the chastening of the Lord comes upon me, it gives me an opportunity to repent. It gives me a chance to repent and to get forgiven and to get cleansed. Amen? If I don't, if I won't listen to the prod of the Holy Spirit, the nudge of the Holy Spirit, if I can't listen to that, then he's probably going to have to correct me like he corrects the world. And a lot of times that's really difficult correction. I'd much rather have the Lord's correction because it gives me an opportunity to just to repent, to get cleansed, to get loved, to get forgiven, to get re-energized, get my cup filled back up. Hallelujah. I don't have to walk around with my heart all snarl like a, a snarly-haired mess. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Our attitudes are all important for this. Paul says that communion should only be done in a worthy manner. And this brings blessing, willingly, knowingly, and thankfully doing communion. And with other believers. I know um, my good friend Corey loves to talk about koinonia, which means the, the fellowship, the relationship of the body of Christ together. And so us as one loaf, one body, celebrating Jesus Christ, how more intimate can it be then all of us focused on our heart condition, focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, and focused on each other. There's nothing else like it on the planet. Nothing at all. He says we need, we need to do it in, in a careful way, judging our own hearts. Communion should never be done in an unworthy manner with irreverence or carelessness or selfishness or unforgiveness. To participate in communion with an unworthy heart posture will lead to judgment. That, that's what Paul clearly says. The Bible says that this judgment can be sickness, weakness, or even death. The Bible says faith in and the love of Jesus causes God's judgment to pass over us. Selfishness, unforgiveness, unfaithfulness causes God's chastening to rest upon us. That's what Paul tells us here with communion. So again, it's a chance for me just to take that comb out and go, Okay, let me run this through. Where, where am I at? Where's my heart? Can Ooh, there's a snag. Because Holy Spirit will bring to our remembrance today, maybe it's something from three months ago, but he'll bring, he'll, he will tell us, this is what you need to let go of, Mike. This is what you need to step into, Mike. These are the things I want to adjust for you right now, Mike, so that this judgment doesn't have to go to the next level. Whew. Yes, Lord Jesus, please help me. The Bible says faith in and love of Jesus. I'm repeating this. The Bible says faith in and the love of Jesus causes God's judgment to pass over us. Selfishness, unforgiveness, and unfaithfulness causes God's chastening to rest upon us. The Bible tells us to judge ourselves. Let's respond with faith and inspect our hearts. 
So right now, let's just take a couple minutes and let's ask God to show us anything that, that he's concerned about. Maybe uh, if you're like me, you already know a couple things you need to talk to God about. But just ask Holy Spirit to reveal something to you, anything to you. We're going to take a couple minutes just asking for forgiveness and cleansing, and then we'll go on from that and celebrate communion.